0: Home of free speech. Kevin O'Sullivan. Hard working, hard edged, hard to
1: beat. Talk Radio. Let's broaden our minds. Access all arguments. Kevin O'Sullivan. On DAB Plus, on the app, Talk Radio and Talk TV.
0: Uh, Welcome back. We're talking about, uh, you know, the pledge by the government to ban gas fueled boilers, all your gas boilers. Uh, not very popular. That uh, they want us to have heat pumps. It doesn't work if you're in a terraced house or a tower block. Uh, but the rest of us are supposed to get them. Uh, so uh, you know, that's a nice policy to make you colder. The thing about heat pumps is they don't work. Uh, so are the government? Is the Tory government set uh, to? Uh Rescind the boiler ban, I think we'd all be very happy. My boiler works just fine. I do not want to change it, and I think many people feel the same. And Rishi Sunak, late in life, is working out that these green policies of his, which will make you poorer and colder, maybe stop you going on a foreign holiday, can't have a petrol car, that just maybe they're not vote winners. Uh, Why it took him so long to reach this uh, Damascene moment, I don't know, but uh, we'll be talking about that later. But first, uh, far more enjoyably uh, in the studio, uh, in the wake of his uh, excellent column yesterday in the Mail on Sunday, it's Peter Hitchens. Welcome, Peter. Morning. Uh, First of all, uh, we'll get on to some of the topics in your column in just a minute, but I need to get your take on uh, the Russell Brand situation, stressing that he denies all the allegations against him. But four women have come forward to say that during the noughties, the uh, early 2000s, uh, that uh, they accuse him of rape and sexual assault. And uh, we're really talking about a culture in television that I think prevailed then. Uh, so more than Russell Brand, I would say that once again, following Savile, Hugh Edwards, Philip Schofield... The television industry is on trial. Would you agree?
1: Well, I suppose perhaps so. I, I think, as with all these things, I'm very much in favour of the presumption of innocence. Uh, whoever the, the judge is directed against, whether I like them or not, uh, I don't like Mr Brand. Uh, I had some encounters with him uh, which had very little to do with sex, that he did once offer to kiss me. Wasn't that on Newsnight? It was on Newsnight. We were attempting to have... I was attempting to have a debate about drugs. He was just shouting me down in the way that he does. What astonished me in that debate and in two other occasions where I met him, Uh, one I think organised by Google and the other at a House of Commons Select Committee, was how seriously... He was taken by a lot of the establishment as a serious and important political thinker, which remains an astonishment to me. The Daily Mail has some fascinating detail about the infatuation of the left with him some years ago, particularly the Guardian newspaper, the New Statesman magazine, and figures such as. George Monbiot, the great green person. Uh, but, and, and, and indeed, uh, Owen Jones, my old friend. But he, I wonder whether that's fading now because he's now adopted positions which aren't quite so passable to the left. But he, he, the thing is, he does have a great talent for getting himself taken seriously. And that's always seemed to me to be the most important and fascinating thing about him. On these allegations, I cannot possibly speak. I know nothing of them. I, I say we let, let us presume innocence because it's the only just thing to do. I await developments.
0: Uh, he, he does want you to think he's clever hence his uh, rather flowery language uh, fitting in long yeah. words not necessarily the right long words I, but he gets a lot yeah, of, I he, think he wants he, you to think he's clever i
1: think he is actually quite smart yeah i agree some with of that. the things that he says he, he will come out with i remember talking about the methadone program for for giving heroin abusers a heroin substitute, and him saying at one stage how useless this was, and I thought that well, this is quite rare among people on his side of the drug debate, and it was a, a thoughtful thing to say. I don't think he's a thoughtless person. I think anyone who underestimated him as stupid uh, would probably get into considerable trouble. That he isn't. On the other hand, he is a he, he's he's um, he's not good at measured or thoughtful or careful debate uh, because I don't think he's ever really had to be, and I'm fascinated by his his political trajectory from where he used to be to where he is now and how much this will this will impact on what now happens.
0: Well he sees this uh, as a uh, war if you like between him because he sees himself as alternative media now and the mainstream media. And he tried to characterise these uh, accusations and allegations in the papers and on Dispatch mm. over the weekend as, you know, the uh, furious reaction of the mainstream yes. media against someone who challenges their narrative. I think that is a very fanciful reason to come up with uh, the, for, for publishing this stuff. Uh, I,
1: I know what you mean, but if you examine social media, you can see that he has garnered quite a bit oh, of support yeah, for yeah, this yeah, position. Yeah. Yeah. and and there you have it this is one of the reasons why the next few months are going to be very interesting in russell brand land but i still don't want him to kiss me
0: uh, uh, yes uh i think uh, he's not used to uh having his advances resisted but uh congrats, well I, <laughs> congratulations uh, for achievement, let us
1: not comment for even, that rare even upon
0: that <laughs> uh now let's talk about uh your column yesterday now uh, it's a theme that you come back to time and time again and I think more and more people are coming round to this way of thinking and it is you know you say is Ukraine stuck here we have this ongoing war isn't getting anywhere. Ukraine uh, contrary to western propaganda isn't doing that well nor is Russia so you have a stalemate between two roaring warring nations who are killing hundreds of thousands of each other's uh, citizens uh, and isn't it about time we had a chat to try to make this, uh, to come up with a peace deal and uh, this is in the light of the fact that our great leaders here seem to think it's wildly popular to give money and weapons to Ukraine until the cows come home and then over in America though Biden and the gang are starting to realise that maybe the people don't want that and the prospect must surely be the West abandoning Ukraine I mean,
1: People see things in their lives with the whole, the whole state of this country gets more and more pinched and poor. I was walking past an, an a- NHS dentist surgery in, in part of Oxford yesterday. There's a notice on the door saying the charges are going up, not because everything's cost anymore, because the government's reducing support for dentistry. When you turn to someone and say, well, you, your dentistry is going to cost more because we're spending more money on Ukraine, you're going to need to have, <laughs> have which ultimately, of course, must yeah. be part so you of think the, Ukraine. the reason, <laughs> is, is you're going to have to come up with, I think, better arguments than have been come up, come up with so far. I've held back on saying that this offensive has, has got stuck because I, I know from some experience, I'm not a military expert, and don't pretend to be, it's unwise to jump to conclusions about what's going on in wars, but it does seem to me that this offensive, which was being talked up many months ago, doesn't appear to have got very far. Quite a lot of people in the United States have been talking about this now in, in fairly authoritative ways, and it, it, it may be that there's a breakthrough about to take place, but it doesn't look like it. But what we also know, from simply studying the expanding size of graveyards and from the, the, the Growing efforts of Ukrainian young men to avoid military service, uh, which are patently obvious that the The people are running away from the country, particularly popular in Ukraine, I don't think, and it's, it's causing very heavy levels of bereavement death. And what this kind of war does, trench warfare particularly, it's, it's horrible. It not, doesn't just kill people, but it maims and disables and disfigures them for life. And you're having people coming home from these trenches in terrible conditions to, to their mothers, fathers, sons, brothers, husbands, and wives. And and there they are. They're coming home. And, and what, are they, what are they getting for it? A stalemate. Now, there was, before all this got underway, there was, I think, uh, the possibility of compromise. Uh, and I think it, if it, as if the major powers which are currently fueling the, the fight began to seek compromise, I think they would have an argument for doing so now. And people say, well, how much land do you think Ukraine should surrender? I don't think Ukraine should surrender any land. I don't think that aggression should ever be rewarded by surrender of land. But there are many other th- things which could be altered in the relationship between Ukraine and Russia, which, w- which would make a lasting peace possible, which have nothing to do with handouts of territory. And... Ultimately, if a war is not doing any good and is doing a great deal of harm, Mm -hmm. serious people must consider ways of ending it. In the First World War, by 1916, the the levels of death and destruction and the waste of money that was going on was colossal. And a lot of people thought this has to end. But they were silenced by the cries of people who said, no, 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 war to the end. We have to fight this to the bitter end until the other side surrendered. Well, they got their surrender. And what they also got was a ruined world, which produced Hitler. Yeah. Mussolini and yeah. Stalin, yes. and I don't think it's very wise to continue with war when it can do so much damage to the world as a whole. The longer it goes on, what if this war spreads outside Ukraine, as it so easily could? Mm. How long is, are we going to? The the, the 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 Ukraine is Ukraine is increasingly uh, putting a, a, attacks in, into Russian territory itself. I'm not at all sure the Russians will will just carry on not responding to that, especially if Ukraine uses weapons which have been supplied by Western powers to do that and then where are you? Um, why do you
0: think uh, so many of our politicians seem to believe that it will f- it is wildly popular and will forever more be wildly popular that we give. You know, untold money and weapons to Ukraine to carry on waging that. Well, why do they think that's a vote it's winner? I don't think it's, it's very popular. Par-
1: partly because of the very poor level of education in this country and what I call Munich syndrome. People mm-hmm. think that every every conflict in the world is identical to the mm-hmm. to the one between Hitler and uh, and the democracies in 1939, and 1940 that anybody who who tries to make any kind of uh, peace settlement with Russia is therefore another, <laughs> another ne- Neville Chamberlain appeasing a dictator, yeah. and that it will all end like that. It, this simply isn't true, and if you know any history of that period, and indeed if you understand the current situation, you know it's not true. But because we have such an ill-educated political class, this kind of thing appeals, and it works, and so we just don't get any thought about it.
0: Yeah, it's just like the green policies. It looks like the Tories are waking up to the fact that... Uh, uh, all this uh, carbon net zero, which will make us poorer and colder, just might not be a vote wing. It's extraordinary well, it, how, they, how long they take to come to this table well, in Westminster. Go
1: back to the points at which all this was voted upon. I think only about one Tory MP, and that was Peter Lilly, who's now retired, actually voted against this this, this direction. People wouldn't think about it. The warnings against it were yeah. simply ignored. And here we have it now. It's a very, very serious problem facing the country. and the The, the Tories are... Are heavily committed to it. They worry that they will lose what young voters they have if they stop being committed to Regardless it. Me. I know, I know, but that's what they think, and they, they therefore they they hesitate to to go back on it. But in Germany, it's it's mm. it's pretty much. The heat pump issue you were discussing earlier has led to a, a, an actual, not a whole wholesale retreat, but a definite. Uh, lessening in the pace because it is political but also these green people are they thinking, I mean I love the environment, Mm -hmm. I love the hedgerows and the trees and the grass and the atmosphere I love, Mm -hmm. that's why I'm so much in favour of trains and bicycles Mm -hmm. but I saw the other day Keir Starmer the great king of greenness went went with Yvette Cooper to the Hague to the Hague, by plane and I well, can tell him, I've been to The Hague many times. It's there a by lovely train, place. You can easily by train. And when you get there, you can get to Europol, where he went, on the number 17 tram. It takes 20 minutes from the central station. Oh, but he's the uh, leader not of the a, Labour a, Party,
0: a, Peter. you can't go around like that. Uh, listen, hold well, these thoughts. Exactly. Should. I want to talk about uh, Keir yeah. and this extraordinary behaviour after these messages. I'm Kevin O'Sullivan. I'm with Peter Hitchens, columnist at The Mail on Sunday. And this is Talk TV live from the Talk Radio studios
1: on the app on your smart speaker talk radio and talk tv
0: welcome back i'm still with uh, the mail on sundays brilliant columnist peter hitchens peter hitchens uh, just before we went to break uh, we were alluding to keir starmer's uh, jetting off to the hague uh, to talk about among other things no doubt climate change but really he was compiling his odd speech about the migrant crisis uh, which seem to succeed in uh, infuriating everybody from the left, the re- the right, yeah. the EU. Uh, but uh, what is this? He's off to um, uh, Paris tomorrow to talk to uh, Macron. Representatives of his will be flying to New York to talk about climate change. Uh, they're doing a lot of jetting around. Well, this is
1: the this is the stage at which he has to be made to look prime minister. Yes, yes. Um, meeting Macron is is a, is actually quite quite a big coup. <laughs> Uh, I suppose sooner or later they're going to have to get him in to meet Biden, then. that could uh, that could not necessarily. Who knows do where do that much <laughs> Good, you know, and if, if he actually falls asleep while he's there, it could, <laughs> wouldn't be good. I don't know, but this is it's a the process. one time we could they,
0: forgive Biden for falling asleep. No, no, yes. To okay. to, uh, well, the,
1: there is a certain a certain boredom level, but actually, Kier Starmer is much more exciting than people think.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: You know, he's a Pabloite. So I've, I've heard... Do you know what a Pabloite is? No, I don't. He's a sort of Trotskyist. Okay. But a very, very um, exotic sort of Trotskyist.
0: But, but I've heard that in, pu- in person, I've never met him in person, he's quite a sort of lively character. So he's one of these Gordon Brown types that doesn't dare to reveal his colourful personality to the people.
1: Well, he does reveal it, but people don't believe it. I mean, he's, he's given interviews again to the New Statesman about this, in which he said, you know, I haven't gone back on any of my views. He used to edit this magazine, for this red-green magazine, a Pabloite magazine. Uh, and he was also extremely far on the left when he was when he was a lawyer, joining the most left-wing lawyers' organisation that was available. And being a an, an office people will be surprised if he comes to power, just how left-wing he actually is. But they shouldn't be surprised. And if they read my articles in the Daily Mail about him, uh, and the Mail on Sunday, they will find just how left-wing he is. I'm telling you now, he may appear dull, but uh, like so many people who appear dull, he has a lot of secret zing in him, and it won't necessarily please you when he actually applies it. No, no, we're
0: talking about rejoining here. I probably won't do it in name, but all but. Uh, So uh, if you want closer ties with Europe, vote for Keir. I don't quite understand, Peter, why he thinks it's a vote winner. If memory serves, in 2016, the majority of people in this country voted to leave the EU. Uh, He seems to think that the way to win the next election is to say, hey, I'm going to create, forge much closer ties with the EU. Why does he think the people of Britain want well, that? Well,
1: you've, you've struck the wrong person here for this, because I was not one of those who voted to leave. I took no part... I didn't it. either, I but I, uh, I changed no, my mind. I took no part in the referendum at all. I thought it was dangerous to the Constitution, and I still do. I think it caused a constitutional crisis, we still in. <laughs> Certainly And I, I also, I didn't... I increasingly didn't like the look of the coalition which formed. I mean, I knew that, uh, that Michael Gove and Al so-called Boris Johnson, were not actually particularly against this country belonging to the European Union. And then all these free traders and, uh, and, and free marketeers <coughs> all clustered around the, the, the leave campaign. And I didn't feel at all happy with what was happening. And I don't think we've necessarily got the leave that people wanted or, or voted for. And I think there is a certain amount of remorse over it. And also that is, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous for, 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 for leavers to pretend that there hasn't been economic damage. And I was one of those who said we should go for the Norway option, which involved staying in the single market, which I still think we should have done. So I'm not sure uh, that you're necessarily right about that. And there may well be votes in, in coasing up to the European Union, if not necessarily in votes in trying to get back in. If you try to get back in, they would impose terms on us, which I think would be intolerable. Oh. We'd have to join the euro, for instance, if we, if we, if yeah. we join now. And I, I don't think any British government, oh, in any sense, would, uh, would accept yeah. that.
0: Even Keir would probably wouldn't do that. By exactly.
1: Way- so he he can only do limited mm-hmm. flirting. But I didn't. But if a full rejoin, I think, is politically impossible.
0: Uh, thank God for that. Uh, by the way, t- talking about uh, Russell Brandt and uh, his attempts to be taken seriously. Uh, which were largely successful. They That's was, uh, right. Don't forget, uh, he once sort of guest edited the Guardian, uh, attended editorial conference, and foisted on an unsuspected readership a four thousand three hundred word article called "Revolution," which went on to form the basis of an equally incoherent book by him. Uh, but uh, his big was that, eye, was that
1: the one called "My Bookie Wook?
0: Yeah, no, I think it was the one afterwards. Okay. I think it was called it's, "Revolution." It's all okay. about his conspiracy. Right. Anyway, his bit. He was then subsequently asked to guest edit the. New Statesman, the sort of left-wing intellectual magazine that comes out once a month and uh, his big idea was to change the name uh, to Nude Statesman because that would have been very funny, wouldn't it?
1: It it as it funny, funny as him
0: kissing you, <laughs> Actually, uh, watching him kiss you might have been quite funny. Oh, well, okay, but, you might think so. But I'm but glad you didn't. You, you, you did, have to think of me under the... For your you own dignity, I'm it. glad yeah, you didn't do it. it. Um, now, to, still with the TV industry, you write about the BBC uh, in your column. Tell us.
1: Yes, this, this very strange drama, the, the Woman in the Wall. Uh, did you see it at all? I haven't, no. Uh, it's, well, it's set in in County Mayo in Ireland. It, it, it's about, of course, that, that horrible subject of the Magdalene laundries and the the, the terrible treatment of, of unmarried mothers and their babies in um, in the the island, which has now ceased to exist. Well, all right, and it's a big subject, but quite a lot has already been written and said, and indeed filmed about it. And also, it's not our subject. It's an, it's the, it's it's a subject for the Irish. To, it seems to me to deal with, and they they have to a great extent done so uh, and it just it was it was really peculiar uh, television uh, it didn't make sense the the central character seemed to be sleepwalking a lot of the time and uh, and, uh, and it, it was almost as if you were being conducted through a dream yeah. there was an awful lot of completely unnecessary swearing and smoking I couldn't make Hedon's head nor of it and I, I went to see how it had gone down in Ireland itself and the television reviewer of the Irish Times was very dismissive of it. I think he said he used the words hysterical and overcooked. Mm. And I thought looking at the reviews which it got in the, the what, what you might call the, the, um, the self-regarding media in this country, which were largely favorable, I thought, have you got this right? Did the BBC get this right? And then I thought, look, there are scandals going on in modern Britain, and it's time that some dramas are made about yeah. them. It's all very well telling, us, telling ourselves all the time we're better than we were in the past. But actually, what we need to worry about is what we're doing now. And I would say that there is a huge scandal in this country of a mass abortion of babies. And if people are upset about the treatment of unmarried mothers and babies under the Magdalene Laundries, which they're quite right to be, they should be upset about that too. And these figures, they grow year by year, and we do nothing to actually seriously to bring it down.
0: Uh, don't expect the BBC to make a drama well, n- about that. No, but they ought
1: to be reminded that they're, f- they're failing to fulfil their, their, their charter of impartiality by not doing so, because they make a lot of pro-abortion drama.
0: While we're on the subject, i will ask you a last question uh, in from left field. Um, they're making a drama, or they have made, a long time ago now, but they've been editing it like crazy for about two years. <laughs> Year and a half or so, and it's called The Reckoning. Uh, it stars Steve Coogan. It's all about uh, the sordid Jimmy Savile story. Interesting. Now, my theory on this is uh, you know, of course, they're, they're absolutely entitled to make this program. Uh, this drama series is free speech, freedom of expression and all that. I'm wondering whether we really need to rake over these coals and whether or not the BBC is actually uh, spending our money, licence fee payers' money, uh, to assuage its own tortured soul. This is about Carthage. Well, they did the fail, BBC. didn't they?
1: It was a pretty substantial <coughs> BBC failure, the itself mm-hmm. thing. thing. I confess that I think I would probably want to watch it. Yeah, me too. Co- Co- Coogan saying. is a very whatever you may think of his good politics, actor. and is a very accomplished performer. I agree. And it's a big subject, and probably a, a, a dramatisation is a very good way of addressing it. So I'm not against that, uh, especially if the BBC allows for substantial criticism of itself. itself. Now, uh, that's it, what are we are. If it doesn't do that, then it will be failure.
0: I want uh, intense focusing on uh, the BBC's failings, the way they covered up for Jimmy Savile. Don't forget. After that guy died, uh, that's when uh, the Newsnight investigation was coming to fruition where they had the full number on him. They found out exactly what he was all about. Of course, it uh, didn't put the BBC in a good light. And when they're about to screen that, uh, the investigation was killed. It was not screened. And do you know why? Because three months hence at Christmas, they had a Christmas special lined up, a special edition of Jim Will Fix It hosted by <laughs> Shane Ritchie. That's what went on at the BBC.
1: Well, isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. Um, but, but there it is. Um, it's, a, it's a big self-regarding, self-protecting bureaucracy in which things of that yeah. kind happened. I just want them to
0: really focus on that and I bet you they don't. I let's bet see, you they let's don't. see I think they'll, they'll, look, they'll look
1: such fools if they don't yeah, indeed. I have to say that even, even they may, may live up to expectations for once. Let's uh, hope well
0: so. Let's hope, let's hope so. Uh, I'm not sure that the, they needed to make this and I'm not sure why we have to suffer just because they want carthesis for their own appalling behaviour. Uh, but, uh, Peter, what a fantastic half an hour, as always. That was Peter Hitchens, columnist for The Mail on Sunday. In every Monday, he'll be back with the uh, great man, Mike Graham, at this time next week. Uh, much still to come. I'm Kevin O'Sullivan. This is Talk TV Live